Welcome to the Fertile Womb Podcast. My name is Holly, and I'm the owner of Rosebud Wellness, which is a women's holistic health practice in Southern California. In my practice, I use acupuncture, yoni steaming, abdominal massage, and the fertility awareness method to support women on their conception journey. In this podcast, I will be sharing about some of the practices and tools that I use in my practice, and also will be interviewing women about their own personal fertility journey, as well as other professionals in the fertility space. Thanks so much for listening. Please enjoy. If you're interested in learning more about the fertility awareness method, then I have a very exciting announcement for you. So many women are interested in learning more about fertility awareness, but they're not necessarily ready to fully commit to the course offering that I have or the full mentorship program that I offer. So if you would like to learn a little bit more and get some more specific one-on-one recommendations about your fertility and your fertility awareness method charting, then I have a new session offering. These sessions are 60 minutes in length. And in this 60 minutes, we pack them full of everything that we possibly can um, in terms of tracking and charting your cycle, optimizing your fertility, whether that be through yoni steaming, abdominal massage, acupressure. If you're local to me, we can certainly do an acupuncture treatment, Chinese herbal medicine. It really can be whatever you want it to be in those 60 minutes. Um, And people really appreciate having an opportunity to start working with me and seeing what it's like and not having to really fully commit to a full program or course. Uh, These sessions are also really affordable at $100 um, for the 60-minute session. So you can book those. I will link the booking link in the show notes of this episode, and it's also on my Instagram. It's called an introductory fertility awareness method session, but like I said, it can kind of be any kind of session that you want it to be, however you want to use the 60 minutes is totally up to you. So I would love to see you in one of these sessions soon. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Fertile Womb Podcast. Today, I'm going to be sharing about five steps for preparing your body for pregnancy. So we are not just going to be focusing on the physical and physiological aspects, although we will touch on that. We're also going to be talking about the psychological and spiritual aspects of conception and preparing your body and your whole system for conception and pregnancy. So the first thing that I will recommend is starting to track and chart your cycle with your basal body temperature, cervical mucus, and potentially cervical position, which is an optional sign in the method that I teach. So it may come as no surprise to you as a fertility awareness method educator that that is my number one first step in preparing your body for pregnancy. And the reason for that is because it provides us with so much insight into what is actually going on in your system. So it may be that you get a pretty regular cycle, your period is pretty uneventful, But do you know when you're ovulating? Do you know how long each phase of your cycle is? Are you paying attention to how much cervical mucus you're producing? So all of that is what we go through in learning how to track and chart your cycle and not just track and chart your cycle, but also interpret and and assess what's going on with your whole system based on that information. 
So I highly recommend learning with a fertility awareness method educator, and it doesn't necessarily have to have to be me, um, but it could be any fertility awareness method educator that you really resonate with, because it is really important to have a guide to help you to understand what's going on in your cycle that are some of the things that maybe you won't find in a textbook or on a forum and things like that, that you would really want to be getting some individualized guidance from somebody that really understands how fertility awareness works and how to interpret the different aspects of it. So you can start with reading some books if you just want to see, you know, kind of what it's about and what it's like. Uh, Taking Charge of Your Fertility is the introductory book that most women are exposed to. It's pretty significant size book. And it's almost kind of like a textbook, lots of case studies in there. There's some information in it that is a little bit outdated and some that I wouldn't necessarily agree with based on the education that I've received. There are some discrepancies there, um, but it is a really great place to start. So if you are somebody that is not overwhelmed by really gigantic textbook-like Uh, material, then that could be a really good place to start. I also recommend my teacher, Lisa Hendrickson-Jack. I recommend her book, which is called The Fifth Vital Sign. There's a lot of really, really important information in there. It's not so much of a guide on how exactly to do the method, but more the information that you can gain from tracking and charting your cycle over time. Uh, Lots of really important information in there. I recommend that if you are tracking your cycle, that you stay away from any apps or programs that use an algorithm or will predict or manipulate what's going on in your cycle based on some sort of computerized system. I have a really fun client of mine right now that just told me that she is using three tracking methods right now. And I never require that my clients do this. They sometimes do it on their own if they're super curious and just kind of really fascinated by all of this stuff and want to see the differences in um, the different ways of tracking and charting their cycle. So she is learning how to track and chart her cycle manually with BBT and cervical mucus from me. But before we started working together, she was also using a, I'm not going to call them by name because I don't want to throw any companies under the bus specifically, but it's a thermometer that does track your temperature and then it's directly connected to an app. There's actually probably multiple types of these ones. I've seen them online when I'm looking for just a simple BBT thermometer and usually they're hundreds of dollars for some reason. And um, yeah, they should be more like $10, but probably it's because it's connected to the app and you know they need to make money or whatever. So anyway, she's using one of these and she's also using a wearable device that um, is also connected to an algorithm and an app. And those two things were telling her different things. So they're both based on an algorithm, with the same information that she's putting in there. um, And they were different from each other. And they were also different from the manual chart that she was creating uh, based on what she was actually observing in her body, not based on what the computer was predicting would be happening to her body. And what I found really interesting is that one of them 
was predicting that ovulation was going to be happening for her at the end of the month. And we're just about midway through October. This was a few days ago. So it was midway through October. And it was predicting that she was going to be ovulating at the end of the month. And the reason for this is because she has PCOS. So before we started working together, um, she had some pretty long cycles. There was one that was 45, 60, even a 90 day cycle. And so she was ovulating really late. And so what the app does is it takes an average of those cycle lengths and then predicts what's going to be happening in subsequent cycles based on that information. But we know that, or maybe, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a little while, or if you know things about fertility awareness, that you can't use previous cycles to predict what's going to be happening in future cycles, especially if you're somebody that has irregular cycles and you're working on them. So for this person in particular, she ovulated much earlier this cycle than she had been previously because she's doing a lot of really wonderful work. She's improving her diet. She's on some targeted supplementation that I have recommended from her based on what I'm seeing show up in her chart previously, and also just other symptoms that she experiences in her body. I also prescribed her a Chinese herbal medicine blend, and that I really feel like is what did the trick for her this cycle. It really made a difference in when she ovulated this cycle. And we'll have to see next cycle if it happens again uh, with her being on the same formula. I think it's a really good fit for her, this formula. And that's pretty much all we've been doing. But if she was going by her app and waiting to have sex to conceive when her app was telling her that she was ovulating, she would have missed the boat. And what happened with the app, which I find really interesting, is that it was predicting that ovulation was going to be happening at the end of the month until the day she had the temperature shift. So the app is able to learn what's going on in your body, but it's kind of too late at that point. If you already have the temperature shift, then you've already ovulated. So until she ovulated, it was telling her she was going to be ovulating two weeks later than she did. So if she was using that to time sex, she would have not been timing it correctly. And that's really important. So I, I mostly work with women that are trying to conceive, but this could be equally important for women that are trying to prevent pregnancy. If you think that you're preventing pregnancy, and I know that people use this specific thermometer in this specific app to prevent pregnancy. If your app is telling you the wrong thing, there's going to be an accidental pregnancy. So that's really important to understand. And also that there's no way that a computer can know what's going on in your body. The whole point of fertility awareness is for you to be able to learn. So in the beginning, when I'm working with women, I do it for them. I teach them about how, what I'm looking at and what I'm seeing and why I'm making the specific recommendations I'm making based on their specific goals. And then ultimately they'll be able to do that themselves. And then you have this information for the rest of your life. And even if a woman has a pretty regular cycle throughout, say, her early 20s into maybe even early 30s, it's going to change at some point. And you're going to really appreciate that you have this additional insight into what's going on in your cycle. And then add pregnancies and postpartum into the mix and everything gets really different and very nuanced. So you would be empowered to 
work through all of that kind of stuff too, through learning the fertility awareness method for the purposes of conception, potentially at this point, but it's so much more than that ultimately. So ideally you will have three optimal cycles before conception. And this is not always possible. I would say most of the people that I work with do try to conceive actively every single cycle. If some, if a woman has a really out of balance cycle, there's one woman that I'm thinking of that ovulated at day 21 and then had a 25 day total cycle. So that means that she had a four day luteal phase. My recommendation to her was to wait. She really needs to optimize her cycle before she starts having unprotected sex and trying to conceive because that is just way too likely for her to suffer a miscarriage, which is going to even further deplete her body and also be really emotionally taxing on her system as well. Um, she's had some other things that came up in her life, so I haven't seen her, um, but that is really important that the cycle is for, that we're working towards optimal parameters, but there are definitely people that get pregnant with less than optimal cycle parameters. And we, in my mind, I just work to support them throughout their pregnancy to make sure that the pregnancy is health is as healthy as possible, because we don't want to get into a situation where we're having all sorts of issues during pregnancy. We have potentially malpositioned baby because of how depleted and deficient we are. Maybe that doesn't make any sense. Um, but from a Chinese medicine perspective, oftentimes the position of the baby is very much based on a woman's overall chi and blood um, strength. So I'm not going to go into the details. If you're curious, I could tell you more about that, but um, also issues with labor or other issues that crop up during pregnancy can potentially be related to deficiencies that we haven't addressed prior to conception. So that's why it's really important to try to work on the cycle parameters prior to conception, but it doesn't always happen, like I said. So, but ideally three optimal cycles before conception. And it doesn't have to be perfect. That's another thing that I, I really want to make sure that women understand is that your menstrual cycle charting does not have to be perfect in order for you to get a lot of really important information. The client I was referring to previously that um, I saw her ovulation and luteal phase length and total cycle length, that was all the information I had. She's not tracking cervical mucus. I really don't know what's going on with that um, because she has not wanted to learn about that yet. Um, but that is really important information to have. And I have very little details about everything that was going on throughout the whole cycle, but just having that little bit of information really helped to inform me being able to guide her in a much better way. And so you don't have to have every single temperature taken perfectly um, where you didn't get up or you don't forget ever, or you never travel, or you never have wacky things that happen in your life that affect your temperature. You are always living your life and then tracking and charting your cycle to the best of your ability and not kind of like making your lifestyle revolve around tracking your charting your cycle. So that's really important to know for, especially for women that are feeling kind of resistant to it. Like, Oh, that seems like way too much work and way too much effort. It really doesn't have to be, you just do your best and keep moving forward. Improving sleep habits can be really important for improving your fertility and overall hormone balance. 
getting into bed by 10 or 11 p.m. at the latest is the most optimal sleep time. It's really more rejuvenating for our entire system if we get into bed earlier, even if the total amount of sleep is less. So that's really important to know that sometimes women are getting enough total sleep where maybe they're going to bed at 2 a.m. or something and they're waking up at 10. And so they're getting enough total sleep, but because it's kind of off from what the natural circadian rhythm of a human body would be, it can impact their system as well. So if you're having issues, particularly with progesterone, so that would be indicated by a shorter than optimal luteal phase, cervical mucus in the luteal phase, uh, temperature dips, lower temperatures, slow temperature rise, all of those things can be an indication of lower than optimal progesterone levels, as well as PMS symptoms can often be related to that as well, although not always. And sleeping in the darkness can also be really supportive of progesterone levels, sleeping enough total hours. So seven to eight hours per night is really best. I can't tell you the number of people that tell me that they sleep for five or six hours and um, they just kind of rely on caffeine or other energizing things to keep them going throughout the day. But it really is not actual energy that comes from within your body. And that is really what we want to be supporting when we are working on fertility. Limiting screen time prior to going to sleep is also really important for hormone balance um, and also for our body to be making enough melatonin, which is also related to being able to make enough progesterone. So all of that is really important. And I know not always possible, and you don't necessarily need to make yourself crazy about all of these things. We, these are just things that I say that are best case scenario. And if they're not possible for you, then you can make up for it in other ways. Like potentially if you're not getting adequate rest, then maybe you take um, you really optimize your diet so that your energy levels are really great and you, your body is more likely to be able to handle the stressor of not getting enough rest. So there's a lot of different ways that we can approach optimizing fertility for things that are maybe not possible to shift about our lifestyle. Also implementing stress relieving techniques or relieving stress in some way. So for many women, this means that they are potentially letting go of some commitments. So many of the women that I work with are very type A. It tends to be people that are attracted to the fertility awareness method are sort of overachievers that want to do everything perfectly. And they do that in all aspects of their life. So they're very goal-oriented. They've been doing really great in their career. They have a lot going on. And that can be challenging for our nervous systems as humans to navigate. So we did not evolve to be able to handle the level of stress that we're under on a day-to-day -day basis, even for people that aren't super overachievers like that, just driving around and being in traffic and, and working long hours and not getting enough rest and all of these things can really impact our ability to have a calm nervous system. So one of the things that I am often recommending for women is to potentially let go of some commitments and be really honest with themselves about what actually needs to stay in their life and what can maybe go. I know that before I became a mom, there were so many things that I was doing that I just absolutely do not have the time to do now. I was going to all sorts of classes and events and working a ton. And I, now that I have a young daughter and I'm on my own, I 
I can't do those things. And I thought that oh, I'm going to feel so uh, worthless and unproductive and, you know, not want to live anymore because I don't have all of these things and, and I need all these things to be happy. And one of those things was um, Ashtanga yoga, which is still a big part of my life, but I just do it on my own. And I do think that entering into the headspace of maybe not like, what am I willing to sacrifice for my baby? But but really giving your giving the universe the opportunity to see that you're really ready, that you can let go of this maiden identity of needing to perform and be perfect and do everything all the time. And you're really ready for the softness of, of woman, of motherhood, um, that you're really ready to enter into the mothering space, which there are definitely aspects of it that feel really unproductive sometimes, you know, being home with a baby and kind of feeling like you can't really do anything because you really just need to be present for that new life and just kind of, yeah, bringing yourself into that headspace um, when you're still on the fertility and conception journey can be really powerful um, for your mindset to shift into like, what are the things I can let go of? I don't have to go to this work event or this social thing that I don't want to go to. And I do think that having children really forces that on you. Like your energy level just is what it is. Um, and it goes down as you get older, of course, like everybody's, um, but we can take care of ourselves and improve that. Um, but with that being said, yeah, ch having children really changes things. So just kind of starting to implement those changes and letting go of some of your commitments prior to pregnancy can be really a powerful message. Um, yeah, to the universe that you're ready for that, for that transition, and then apart from that, if there are just stressors in life, there always will be, you know, work and bills and people. And there's a lot that we are navigating as humans in this life. And so it can be really helpful to receive some nervous system support as well throughout the um, fertility and conception journey and throughout pregnancy as well. One of the things that's really amazing for nervous system support is acupuncture. So uh, I'm biased, of course, about this too, because I'm an acupuncturist, but I will say that many of my clients, pretty much everybody I've ever worked with, the main thing that they report after a treatment is how relaxed um, they feel. And part of the reason that acupuncture has this effect is because it stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system and allows the sympathetic nervous system to calm down. So most of us are living in a fight or flight sort of sympathetic nervous system state all of the time and giving ourselves an opportunity to fall back into the parasympathetic nervous system can be really supportive of fertility. It helps with hormone production because with less stress hormones circulating in your system, your body is more able to produce sex hormones, which are really important for conception and fertility. And it also is just a really sweet relief for people. It can help to improve your mood, can help to improve your perspective on life and your fertility journey and improve your ability to receive the messages that you need to receive. And one of my uh, patients the other day, it was really sweet. She said that her husband told her 
or asked her, can you go and get acupuncture every day? Because she was in such a good mood and she felt so happy. And it was even during her bleed, which she can sometimes feel a little bit more irritable and um, less uh, resilient in the face of stressors when she's in that phase of her cycle. And she was feeling really good. And I, I just really appreciated that he was able to observe that and, um, I've noticed that in myself too, that you're, you feel a lot more resilient in the face of stressful events. If your nervous system has had an opportunity to downregulate like that in something like acupuncture, um, yoga can also bring you to a similar state, but some people really need the, the acupuncture support. I find that even people that do yoga regularly, especially if they do a, a faster paced yoga or like hot yoga, or there's like a lot of music and it's kind of more of like a fitnessy kind of class. Um, that's not so, not as supportive for the nervous system as being able to just lay down and receive, um, what acupuncture can offer. So, um, yeah, acupuncture is a really beautiful practice meditation too. Uh, meditation can be similar to yoga. You know, it is a little bit more up to you to sort of, um, be able to drop out of your mind and back into your body, which is a really difficult thing to do without um, maybe like a guided meditation, having some kind of guide or facilitated practice can be really helpful to get the most out of your meditation. And a lot of people have resistance to it and kind of force themselves to do it. And I guess my invitation would be to not force yourself to do it, but to find a way for it to actually be supportive and relaxing to you and just let it go. If it's not, don't do it. If it's stressing you out or just like another thing to do. Um, one of the things that I do recommend if I'm feeling like meditation would be supportive and women are kind of like up in their head during their meditation practice is to do some yoni steaming. So I've talked about steaming a lot on the podcast. So if you're not familiar with it, you might want to check out some of those episodes, um, on Yoni steaming more specifically, but one of the ways that I'm going to talk about it a little bit more when I talk about preparing your womb space for pregnancy, but in this context, I'm talking about it more from an energetic perspective of if you are adding heat in particular to some, any part of your lower body, whether it's like your feet or your pelvis or whatever, um, it can help to draw young or more hot energy out of your head. So a, a young energy would be like really fast moving. So people that have, um, you know, sort of like racing thoughts and they're trying to meditate and they're like, oh, I just can't stop thinking about stuff. A uh, so really supportive practice for that person would be to draw all of that young energy down and drawing it down into the pelvis, especially for women, is really supportive. And one of the ways you can do that is by steaming your yoni. So you have this, this warmth that's already penetrating into your womb space that can help to draw your attention down. And also it can be helpful to have that image in your mind of that that's what's happening um, to kind of help to facilitate that a little bit more. So there's so many other things that you can do to relieve stress too, like being in nature and going for walks and, and really only you can assess what is most supportive 
for you also just, you know, smelling essential oils or flowers or incense, um, whatever kind of things help to, I know that for me, that really helps to improve my mood or improve my perspective on situations like the fertility journey where, you know, you're feeling kind of hopeless and stressed and everything sucks. Um, just, you know, having a, a candle that smells really good. It sounds sort of stupid, but can be a, you know, a big mood shifter and can really help, um, to help you feel a little bit more positive about the situation. Um, so those are some of my recommendations for stress relief. Optimizing nutrition is also really important for preparing your body for pregnancy. And I could do, you know, tons of episodes on optimizing nutrition for fertility and preparing your body for pregnancy. Um, so I'll just kind of stick with some pretty simple techniques that I think are really important to start. Uh, balancing blood sugar is one of those mean things. And the best way to keep your blood sugar balanced is to be eating consistently throughout the day. So if you are somebody that skips meals, especially if you skip breakfast, that is setting your system up for blood sugar and hormonal imbalance. You really cannot have balanced hormones and optimal fertility if you are not balancing your blood sugar. And also having a combination of fats, carbs, and protein at every single meal and snack is really what's most optimal. So a lot of women tend to go for, um, you know, just naked carbs is what they call them in the nutrition fertility space. And that basically just means that you're just eating some crackers or some chips or a piece of fruit or whatever. Um, it's always best if you're having any kind, any carbohydrate that you're pairing it with a fat and protein source. And so that doesn't necessarily mean you need to have three separate things. You could have, you know, like an egg, which has fat and protein or some cheese, which has fat and protein, um, alongside whatever carbohydrate thing you're having. Um, and that can really help to keep your blood sugar balanced and increasing your protein intake overall has been profound for the women that I work with. And that is not something that I was taught in my acupuncture training or in any of the other education that I've done other than in the fertility awareness method education. And I do think that that is even actually newer research that women need a lot more protein than we thought we did. I know when I first met with a nutritionist, when I was in my twenties, I remember her saying that you would eat half of your body weight in grams. But if you're underweight, which I was at the time. So if you're like a hundred pounds, say, which is underweight for most adult women, um, that would be 50 grams. And that would be way under what a woman of that stature would need. So say maybe she is actually really short and that is a healthy body weight for her, um, potentially 50 grams would still be way below what that woman would actually need. Um, so I think that things have, have changed and not every buddy is updated on that. So that's really important to know that women do need a lot more protein, um, than you probably think. And a lot of vegetarian, uh, women will tell me, Oh, I'm getting plenty of protein because I eat quinoa and I eat lentils and nuts and things like that. But if you really are honest with yourself and you add it up throughout the day, 
I would venture to guess that you are under eating protein. Even the women that I work with that eat meat and they eat plenty, what it seems like plenty of animal protein are still kind of just barely getting to 80 grams of protein per day. So it's really important that that is a part of the conversation too, especially if you're somebody that's pretty active, whether that's because you have an active job, if you have other children, if you exercise a lot, um, and what a lot is for each individual woman really it depends on the woman. There was someone I was interviewing. I haven't, uh, post I'll post this episode next week. Um, but she said that she was exercising for like an hour a day, which maybe seems like, oh, well, that's whatever. But for her, it was what made made or broke her fertility journey that she was exercising too much and it was really disrupting her cycle. And probably she was under eating protein too. We didn't talk about that part in particular, but when I'm working with clients, I'm taking the whole picture into account, of course. Um, so optimizing nutrition is also really important for in Chinese medicine, what we refer to as our spleen chi functions. So our digestion is keeping our digestion healthy and optimal is really important for having enough spleen chi, which is essential for being able to extract the nutrients out of our food and also essential for building blood and building blood for women that are wanting to optimize their fertility is a really key component, pretty much for everybody that I've ever worked with. We are building blood and chi and also yin. And we're also wanting to tonify the, the kidney system. So anytime I'm talking about anatomical organs, whether it's the kidney meridian, the liver meridian, the spleen meridian, these are energetic meridians and, and they enter into the energetic organ. But if I'm talking about the kidney or the spleen, I'm not talking about the anatomical structure that if you were to get an ultrasound, you would be able to see spleen chi deficiency. We assess spleen chi deficiency, for example, by looking at the tongue, by feeling the pulse, by feeling the abdomen, and then also by the symptom, the patient reporting their symptoms to us. And so things that would be potentially related to spleen chi deficiency would be things like uh, bloating or distension after eating, feeling cold or tired after eating, feeling tired in general. That's not always related to spleen chi deficiency, but can be having looser stools, being constipated. Uh, spleen chi deficiency can show up in a number of ways. And it also comes alongside blood deficiency a lot of the time. And so that is where really optimizing your nutrition and your digestive system can be really helpful for optimizing your fertility. And it also transfers nicely into the next point that I'll be talking about, which is preparing your womb space for pregnancy. So this is one of my favorite things to talk about because this is a lot of the work that I do when I'm working with women in person. So when I'm working, uh, teaching the fertility awareness method, um, virtually there are some limitations in terms of what I can do because I can't put my hands on those people. If they are coming to me from afar, there's a lot of really wonderful work that we can do in that context, but I do often recommend for them to go see practitioners that utilize the treatment modalities that I use in my 
bodywork practice as well to, to support them also. And the reason for that is because I do think that preparing the womb space is really important when it comes to getting your body ready for pregnancy. So yoni steaming, which I mentioned previously, so it has that energetic aspect of drawing your attention down into your pelvis and out of your head, but it also has more physical aspects to it as well of being able to warm the womb. And that's actually one of the Chinese medicine diagnoses for um, having fertility challenges is having what we call cold in the uterus or cold in the womb. And that usually comes from some kind of cold exposure. It could be, I mean, in Chinese medicine, they talk about like sitting on cold concrete or swimming in a, in cold water. And especially if that was, you know, around your period or when you got your first period, or if you caught a chill at one point in your life and, you know, your body kind of, your womb never really was able to fully um, get rid of it sort of example. Also in the postpartum time, it's really important for women to stay really warm and cozy because their system is so open and vulnerable and they are more likely to be invaded by, by cold uh, pathogens that as they, they talk about it in Chinese medicine. Um, so anyway, yoni steaming can help to warm the, the womb and can also help to promote blood circulation and help to clear out old stagnant blood and energy. So also if you are, you know, if you've had some kind of sexual trauma or even some other type of trauma that you are holding in your womb space, which is really common for women, there is um, what we call an uh, extraordinary meridian called the daimai in Chinese medicine. And it's, it's also called the girdle um, or belt vessel. So it's basically kind of around your lower belly. And many people and women in particular will store unprocessed emotions here. And so that is, if you've ever received any work on your womb or, or done anything with your womb space, um, you may have been told that it is common for women to have emotional releases when they are working on the womb space. And the, that's the reason is because there is a lot of trauma or emotional things that we, we can't deal with gets kind of shunted into this meridian. And when we are clearing it out, it has the tendency to um, kind of allow these emotions to flow through us where they otherwise weren't able to before. Um, so that's something to be prepared for also, um, when you're yoni steaming, that doesn't happen for everyone, but I always recommend for women to steam at the end of the period for one to three days to make sure that they are really efficiently clearing out that bleeding phase and really letting go of any pent up emotions or things that they're wanting to let go of at that time throughout that cycle, that previous cycle, um, and really getting their, their system geared up to have an even healthier, um, more optimal cycle, um, in the, the following cycle. And yoni steaming can also help to improve libido and improve cervical mucus and lubrication production. Um, so that is, we would kind of be doing different things. That's why I, I incorporate uni, yoni steaming consultation as part of when I work with women one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I like to give them more targeted recommendations about herbal blends. Um, I have six different herbal blends, so I like to kind of choose the blend for them. So I, I know it's kind of the right thing for them. 
And then also tell them the days of their cycle and how long they want to be doing it. And we kind of work together on coming up with a, a plan for incorporating steaming into their um, fertility journey. Abdominal massage can also be really supportive of preparing the womb space. So the uterus can get kind of knocked out of alignment through life, uh, particularly things like running on pavement, wearing high heels, um, lifting heavy things when you're bleeding. I tell people this all the time. So I feel like it's common knowledge, but so often people are like, oh, I didn't know that. So I just, I'm going to keep saying it until everyone knows. Um, but your uterus doubles in size right before you're about to have your period. And so that is a significant amount of pressure that your body isn't used to. And then also think about if you've been pregnant before, and if you're lifting heavy things or, you know, overexerting yourself during pregnancy or in the postpartum phase, um, that is something, those are things that can really knock your uterus out of alignment. And the uterus is, is sort of suspended in our pelvis by a bunch of different ligaments. And so it's meant to move around. That's part of how it functions. And when you're tracking your cycle, that's why the cervix moves around because it's at the base of the uterus. And so as it's going up and down in the fertile and infertile phases of your cycle, it's moving around, which is, that's what it's supposed to be doing. But the issue is when it kind of gets stuck in a less than optimal position. And some of the time that is the main thing that is resulting in a woman not being able to achieve pregnancy. So I always recommend that if women are going to be incorporating abdominal massage, that they receive at least three of them. So if they're doing it monthly, they would kind of go once a month. Ideally you would be doing it Sometime, you know, after your period, it doesn't feel that great to be pressing deeply on your uterus if you are, um, if your uterus is still really full. So it's best if you can wait until like the tail end of your period. Um, and then definitely before ovulation, because it is contraindicated if you could possibly be pregnant. And there is that two week time period where we can't know if you're pregnant or not. So we err on the side of caution. Um, so it'd be sometime in that window. And some of the time women come to get the massage twice, um, you know, that two weeks of their follicular phase, potentially longer if they have a later ovulation too. Um, yeah. So abdominal massage can help to realign the uterus, get it back into a more optimal position. Um, it can also pr promote circulation similar to yoni steaming as well. Um, so getting circulation into that area can really help to keep the ovaries and the uterus, the fallopian tubes, that entire system, um, healthy and circulating well. Acupuncture and Chinese herbal medicine is also amazing, um, not just on the mental emotional side, but also for our physical bodies to help keep circulation going in the womb space. There are lots of acupuncture points. There's one that I do all the all the time called Zigong Shui, which is the uterus point. So I'm doing that one a lot. It's in your lower belly. It tends to be pretty tight and a little bit stagnant on a lot of the women that I work with. The lower belly tends to be kind of cool um, on a lot of the women that I work with, which is related to more of like a kidney deficiency type symptom. Um, remember, I'm not talking about your anatomical kidneys, your energetic kidneys. And um, so I also use moxibustion um, on that point sometimes in that situation. Um, and then with acupuncture and Chinese herbal medicine, both, it's really not just about these like structural things just need circulation. It's also getting to the root pattern of what is 
causing the issue. I'm probably going, I'm trying to think about how to make an actual episode about these kinds of things because it gets kind of tricky to explain without having the context of the language of Chinese medicine um, in order to describe it. So I'm trying to figure out how to concisely describe um, the diagnostic, uh, the pattern diagnosis that we go through in assessing uh, what to do in terms of Chinese medicine and acupuncture. But I will just say that ultimately what we are doing is rebalancing the entire system. So we take everything into account that I mentioned before, the tongue, the pulse, there are different um, ways to look at a person's complexion, um, the their scent, their abdominal um, tension or tenderness, the overall look of the abdomen. And then we also talk about the symptoms that each person is experiencing. So when people come to me for, for fertility, they think I'm going to be asking all these questions about their reproductive system, but I'm asking about their sleep, their digestion, um, their energy levels, their headaches, their everything that has ever happened to them throughout their lives, um, because it all really is relevant when you're looking at the whole person rather than compartmentalizing that fertility or reproductive health is somehow separate from your whole body, which it isn't. So anyways, um, what I do in my practice is that I, if I'm working with somebody in person, then I'm able to give them acupuncture and we work on whatever that underlying pattern diagnosis is. A lot of times there is spleen chi deficiency, uh, kidney chi deficiency, kidney yang deficiency, liver blood deficiency, liver cheese stagnation, blood stagnation. Um, so hopefully all of this makes a little bit of sense of these are just these energetic meridians and they can be depleted of yin, yang, blood, or chi, or, and, or they can be stagnated or stuck. And usually most women are some combination of those things. So any individual woman won't have usually just like one Thing that we're working on, um, which is why we create treatment plans. So I'm, I'm able to target a variety of meridians in my treatment by using maybe like one or two points on each meridian or using some of these extraordinary meridians that are related to the entire body, for example. And with the Chinese herbal medicine formula, I'm choosing herbs, maybe, you know, one or two herbs, for example, to support the spleen, one or two herbs to support liver blood, uh, one or two herbs to regulate liver chi, for example. And I'm, you know, shifting the dosage of each of these things, depending upon what I'm prioritizing for this individual person. Um, so it's really such a beautiful med medicine and there's so much that we can do with it where Western maybe medicine is maybe scratching their head about why you're not getting pregnant. It's very clear to a Chinese uh, herbalist or an acupuncture practitioner, why women aren't getting pregnant because we are able to see things, um, that Western medicine can't see, which is it's really, really cool. Um, and then it can also be used in conjunction with Western medicine too. You know, if you do end up needing, um, assisted reproductive technology. My vision for, for women that do go that route is to try to really prepare her womb space, really prepare 
her body for pregnancy before you go down the route of, um, you know, being exposed to all of these medications and things that they need to do um, for the IVF or IUI process, or even ovulation induction process, but to make sure that women will be more successful on the first cycle rather than needing to do you know, 10 cycles of IVF, which is really depleting for your system to be exposed to that many synthetic hormones. Um, and a lot of women will do them kind of back to back because they want their baby. And I completely understand that. And I understand not wanting maybe to take the time to learn fertility awareness or to do these slower medicines or these lifestyle medicines can seem sort of like boring or not exciting, but they really, really make a difference. Even if you, um, are wanting to go the Western medical route at some point, you know, having these to be supportive practices for you too, to get you there uh, more quickly. So that is everything I have for today. Um, I just wanted to give you kind of five steps to prepare your body for pregnancy, um, in a little bit of more of a digestible way. Um, so as not to overwhelm you with all of the things you could be doing, because we all know there are a lot of opinions about what we should be doing in the fertility space. Um, so hopefully this is a, a helpful starting place and I will chat with you next week. I'm excited to share with you that I have recently found a, an at-home hormone testing company that I really really love and very much align with their methodology and perspective on testing your hormones for understanding what's happening with your fertility. So the name of the company is Prove. So it's spelled P-R-O-O-V. And I really love that they kind of do a full hormone testing um, for understanding your fertility and potentially ovarian reserve. There are always limitations when you're talking about taking a snapshot on any individual day. But what's so really so great about this company is that they do invite you to test your hormones on multiple days of the cycle to really get a more complete picture of what's actually going on. Um, so I highly recommend checking them out. You can find them at provetest.com and you can use my code Holly, H-O-L-L-Y 20 at checkout to get 20% off of your first order. And they do have a variety of different test kits um, and some of them do also incorporate the male side of things. So they do offer some semen analysis as well. So go over to prove, P-R-O-O-V test.com to check them out. And don't forget to use my code Holly20 to get 20% off of your first order. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody that you think might benefit from hearing some of the information that was shared here today. If you're interested in finding more about me, you can find me on my website at rosebudwellness.com, on Instagram at rosebud underscore wellness, or on Facebook at the Rosebud Wellness community. Also, if you're feeling called to leave a, a rating or writing a review, that would be amazing. It really helps to get the podcast out to more listeners. Thanks so much for listening and until next time.